Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right. Welcome to The Real Sports Guys. This is D. Wilson, the building with my guy, Phil, uh, Ph.D. in the house. Uh, we're getting a little later start tonight. Uh, we got a lot to cover in terms of the NBA uh, game. We are raising and roll, rock and roll tonight. Last week we uh, we went in deep on the LeBron uh, 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 trade and what was going on in the NBA and free agency. And we'll, we'll hit more on that, but, you know, we're turning towards uh, the NFL season um, and getting ready for that, and so we're going to, cover some uh, some issues around with the NFL and try and keep that ball rolling. Uh, but before I go, you know, before we get started and, and get into the show, uh, we're going to uh, bring in my guy Phil. You know, he's over there. He kind of like – he like Kevin Love. Everybody trying to trade for him. Everybody trying to trade for him, trying to find out, you know, if he wants to come to Chicago or Cleveland. And so uh, uh, we know we love that. So so how you doing, Kevin Love, Ph.D.? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Uh, Kevin Love will look real good in the Cleveland Cavalier uniform. That's what everybody here in Ohio is hoping for. You're the luckiest cat I know. You, 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 you're there for the early part of LeBron and the whole mix. You kind of go and continue your education, come back. You come back right into it's like you sitting in the cat burst You got to be the luckiest cat I know. Yeah, earlier, you know, when LeBron first started back in '03. Those are the Ricky Davis days, the the, the Wagner days. You know, he he did have that one year with Boozer. They looked real good, he and Boozer. But then Boozer duped the uh, – yeah, we know what happened with Boozer. But, yeah, it was a bad situation. But I'm looking and forward the to the season. The thing about it, and it's karma the musket because Boozer hasn't been the same since he did that. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I should say he's been stealing money ever since, but I, I shouldn't say that. But he's been he he's been uh, very very well paid for um, load level production. I should say that. I'll leave it I'll leave it alone. We got game changer in the building. How you doing? It's like it's like he's like the uh, uh, you know Magic Johnson. Uh, he's like the uh, with, uh, the Paul was it was it Paul Pierce who. Who was who was the cat who was the point guard for the Bucks, the point forward uh, market back in the day? You remember uh, what's the the big fellow used to be with Mon Creef? That might have been before your time. Uh, they they had like Paul a point Pre- forward back. Yeah, Paul Pressy. Yeah, Paul Pressy. Yeah, the Paul. You like the Paul Pressy. You can you can look over the defense. You can see everything you need to see on the floor. So you the Paul Pressy of the group. What's up, man? Hey, man. I'm feeling good, man. Uh, glad to be in. Got in at the buzzer. You know what I'm saying? I had to check into the table. I had to run to the table late. You know, coach was calling me. Um, you know, I wasn't hearing him. I was in a conversation with a fan. Had to, you know, put a rip off the warm-ups and just run on the court. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't pull a hamstring now. Don't pull a hamstring right, on right, that. Right, right. The proper warm-ups, you know. But uh, you, you're here to do the, you do, you're here to lead us down the, down the floor, so I, 
I'll step off. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be here, but uh, I'll give it back to my point guard and, and get out the way and, and go to All the right, corner. Let me, let me, let me listen over the top of the defense and, and get the get the listeners into the intro to let them know you listen to the Real Sports RealSportsGuys.com RFC Renegade Radio, brought to you by Frederick Accounting, Excel Academics on the Rocks and Rocks at Illinois Resistance Digital Solutions. All guests and hosts come via the Frederick Accounting Gateway. Purchase Accounting, a national accounting service where clients get comprehensive support for their business or personal accounting needs. Purchase Accounting, the official accountant for RSG. Tell them the real sports guys sent you. We got another hot podcast, another show, big show lined up for you folks out there, for you renegades. Uh, we got in the funky editorial, we're going to get deeper into this whole uh, Kevin Love, Cleveland Cavaliers situation. Um, who would you take? Would you keep Wiggins? Would you make the trade for Love? Um, how much would you give up? We don't get into all of that. How does this trade impact where Cleveland stands in the East? And what does the East look like right now? Um, that's something that we got to kind of take assessment of right now as well. Um, we're going to talk about – we're going to get into the fantasy football. You know, we're quickly approaching on August, and that's fantasy season. Uh, several teams have opened their training camps this week. A few more will be opening by week's end. Um, so it's time to start talking some football, and it's time for the real sports guys to get you guys ready to dominate your fantasy football league. Um, our man Eric Hamilton will be coming through hard with fantasy football cipher, uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, him and PAV do great work. Uh, I mean, excellent work. And Eric really misses, um, you know, some of the mainstream fantasy guys, the Matt Berries, uh, the Eric Carabells, you know, sometimes they just throw stuff against the wall, and if you throw enough stuff against the wall, something's going to stick, right? <laughs> Eric is very precise. He's, he's, he's like, you know, he, he's surgical with this, right? He's surgical with his, and he gives you very efficient, on-point information as to exactly <laughs> who to get, when to get them, why to get them, who to make moves for. There's no fluff. If he drops a name, it's a need-to-know name. So make sure him and PhD, again, they laid the game quite flat. So make sure you check that out uh, when the fantasy football cypher start hitting the airway. How you want it, Jay? Um, How you want it? <laughs> so get off with Dog of the Week, Resistance Digital Dog of the Week, uh, something we do every week. We highlight a, a, a top performer. Uh, give a shout-out, give some shine to somebody who stepped up and had their dog meter way up for the past week. We're going to do some NFL talk, um, a lot going on. You know, we put together our rundown a couple of days ahead of time, and we put together this rundown before the whole Tony Dungy situation broke. And I think when we get to the NFL talk, we might want to hit – that's something that I think we got to address a little bit because, you know, people are all over the place with uh, where they stand on this particular situation, and I think – Again, we need to bring some levity um, and some realness to the conversation. So we may have to chime in on that. But we also have some things that we're going to talk about as far as previewing the season, uh, the upcoming season, the 2014-15 season that's coming up. Um, and then we're going to hit you with the last word. This week, D. Wills is going to hit you off with the XL Academics last word. Um, XL Academics, changing the world one mentor at a time. You know, we take the last few minutes of every show and kind of give one of the members, we isolate them, you know, give them – Put them in, put them on the block, or put them on a high post. You know, I like it on the wing. You know, we all got our spots. 
So, you know, we give him the ball and just kind of let him run, run the clock out. You know, so that's our show for tonight. Um, it's going to be slamming. It's going to be hot. Uh, I got my guys with me running the wings, you know, so you got these fellas with you. You can't really miss. So we're going to go ahead and, and hit the sound and jump right into it. Fellas, one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right, this edition of Funky Editorial is brought to you by On The Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, make sure you check out our man Craig Sockwell at On The Rocks in Rockford. Great food, great people. Tell them RSG sent you. Again, we got to get working on that menu um, and everything, but make sure you hit up On The Rocks when you get a chance. They sponsor the Funky Editorial and keep it way funky. So this edition of the Funky Editorial, we're at a bit of, a, a bit of an impasse, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, Cleveland, LeBron decided to go back home, which I think was a great move on his part. But in doing that, he's put a ton of pressure on the organization to put together as quickly as they can a team that not only has the opportunity to win now, but win for years to come. Um, and they're in a great spot. Uh, they got some assets to move. Um, there are some big-time talent where there is a big-time talent available in Kevin Love. Um, so, you know, they're kind of in a situation. They have last year's number one pick at Anthony Bennett. They have this year's number one pick at Andrew Wiggins, um, both on the table. Plus, they have some very good draft picks. Um, they own Miami's draft pick, which will be unprotected in a couple of years, um, which may not be as good as it once was um, when LeBron was there. Um, so things have shifted. The landscape has changed a lot. Cleveland is in a catbird seat and has some chips to move. Um, Minnesota's in a situation where they have Kevin Love. He seems to be disgruntled. He seems to want out. Um, they seem to be willing to grant his wishes for the right price um, rather than lose him for pretty much nothing. Um, so right now, uh, you know, the situation is right for a deal to be made. Um, the question I want to pose to the real sports guys is, do you make the deal? Right now, what sits on the table, um, as reported by several sources, um, is that Cleveland has offered Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, and a future number one. Is that enough if you're Minnesota? D. Wills, if you're Flip Saunders, are you taking that deal? Yeah, I'm taking it because, you know, for Flip, he's got to he's, – he's not close to competing – in the West, what he has to do is build a foundation that he can build around. Um, and so I, I take that because um, he's got he's got everything he needs to begin to structure, uh, you know, his team. But he also have, has enough pieces if he wants to move again somewhere, he might be able to bring a vet in. But you know, I think Minnesota has to find, you know, their a person who wants to be there. You know, they have to find their Duncan. They have to find a Kevin Durant who is okay with, you know, not being in New York City. They got to find, is that Wiggins? It could be. I mean, he's a Canadian-born kid. You know, he might not have as much uh, affinity worrying about, you know, where to be. Um, he may have watched and seen someone like Kevin Durant 
um, make it and do it anywhere. Um, and you know, uh, Flip has demonstrated that he can he can get uh, his teams uh, some wins. So I start I, I go with it because it allows for him to build youth movement and not have to uh, worry about being having a disruptive atmosphere throughout a season. He needs to really start to set the culture. And the last thing you need to do is go through half a season wondering what's going to happen without really, you know, beginning to set your culture. Okay. And, you know, I think, I think you know, you, you raised some great points. I mean, and, and I think the big piece is that, you know, he's going to – they may lose Kevin Love for nothing. And, right. you know, upside is, is a hot word, you know, and it's a word that can make a career or break a career as far as executives go. Um, and Andrew Williams is, is padded up with the word upside all over him. You know, he can't shake it. So, you know, I want to go to the flip side of this um, and bring in, you know, our man on the spot. You know, he's on the ground. He's at ground zero. He's at the epicenter of all of this. PhD, you know, you spoke about this earlier how the kind of greater Cleveland area, Northeast Ohio, is excited about the idea of Kevin Love. Um, are you making that deal? If you're if you're Cleveland, do you feel good about putting Wiggins in the trade? Because that was a sticking point before. Right. I think Cleveland's in a win-win situation. LeBron and, and Kyrie are young enough where they can hold off on the trade and use that extra cap room to to make a move in an off season or to pick up a couple of different role players to give them more depth and and bank on Bennett being better, having LeBron around, and, and Wiggins being a pretty strong defender out the gate. However, if given the choice, I would take Kevin Love right now and, and give up Wiggins and Bennett and that pick right away. Because you only have... It's all about LeBron James right now. He'll be he'll be thirty coming up pretty soon. Either either he's thirty now or he'll be thirty during this upcoming season. And he's only got so many more years of being the Superman LeBron that we know and and love right now. So I feel like it's so difficult to win in the NBA. You don't want to give away years. You got a guy like Kevin Love along with LeBron and Kyrie. You have an opportunity to win right now. And within two seasons, you would think, with an adequate job in the front office, putting enough guys around these three, you should be the favorite in the East within the next two seasons, if not this year. So I would make that trade right away. (laughs) (laughs) No hesitation. No hesitation whatsoever on PhD's part. And I feel you. I agree. Uh, You raised a great point. I think it's it's very much a win-win situation for Cleveland. Um, I don't think there's a wrong way for them to go. Um, I think you, you, you raised a, a really important point, though, in how you decipher which of the wins is a better win. That's a lot of wins, I just said. But, um, you know, all <laughs> wins are not created equal. <laughs> and some wins are, are better than others, you know. And where's, where's my one Rosie Perez clip? That's what I need right now. I need that Rosie Perez. I need Rosie to hit me off. She can explain as much better than I could. Let me go ahead and, and get Rosie in the house real quick. You know, she can do this. Here you go. What do you want, Billy? 
I got a different set of rules of my own. You want to hear them? Here they go. Sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. Man, that was like Socrates. <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically what's ringing in Dan Gilbert and the Cleveland Brasses, the front office at Cleveland. This is what's ringing, ringing in their head right now. How much do we really want to win this? Um, Love, 26 and 13. Um, dominant rebounder. Great shooter for a big man. Probably one of the best shooters. Um, we've seen from as a big, you know, behind Dirk, Larry Bird, guys like that. Um, range out to the three, uh, can play pick and roll, pick and pop. Uh, good passer. Um, just a 25-year-old all-star. You know, 25-year-old all-star just entering his prime. You know, that's what you're looking at. On the other flip side of the coin, you got two 19, 20-year-old uh, guys who were, you know, the top picks in their respective draft classes. Um, Anthony Bennett, uh, uh, kind of a 6'8", stretch forward, uh, stretch four, um, can shoot it, put it on the deck, attack the basket, um, still has a ways to go in his development. Um, and then you got Andrew Wiggins, ultra-athletic wing, can play the two to three, can guard all three positions on the perimeter. Um, right now, still a work in progress on offense. And, you know, then you got LeBron, who is 29 in his prime, going into his 11th, with, no, yeah, it'll be his 11th year in the league, um, which despite being 29, that's a lot of mileage on a 29-year-old's legs. Um, it's not the average 29-year-old. You know, when we think about great players at 29, LeBron is more like, you know, those great players when they were 32 33, you know, because guys were coming into the league at a later age at that time. Um, so the talk, the clock is ticking, and it's a real clock. And this is the thing I want to ask. Does Kevin Love, how does Kevin Love matched up with, paired up with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving match up with the rest of what's going on in the East? Now, before we get in, before we have that conversation, we first got to figure out, well, who's in the mix, right? So I want each of you guys to kind of, who are your top four teams in the East as of right now? PhD. Wow. And so last week before Stevenson signed, I had the Pacers as a top team, but no more. I do not. So as far as the top four teams in the East, in no particular order, I have the Chicago Bulls, the Miami Heat, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Wizards. And I went back and forth between the Wizards and um, Charlotte. I was going to call them the Bobcats, but they're the Hornets now. I, That's right. I really went back and forth between those two. So if you force me to order it, uh, and again, the Pacers just, to me, losing Stevenson, Stevenson was their dog factor. I I, I just don't know where they're going to be at right now. So actually having them, I have them at the five or six lot. So I would go, um, and this is tough, but I would go 
Cleveland one, Miami two, Bulls three, and I will go with the Wizards at four as far as seeds. Okay. So you got Cleveland fans, Kevin Love, no love. You got one as of right today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't argue with that at all. I, I kind of agree. D. Wills, what, what's your top four look like in the East? Um, I've been going back. I mean, well, let me start with the top three. I, I, I would say the Bulls won because Thibodeau has done a remarkable job without any kind of offensive impact. But you have McDermott. If you watch him in the summer league, the way this kid, this kid ready to go right now. So you add him. You add some of the um, some of the young guys they've had. Uh, who can be offensive players, along with Derrick Rose coming back. You know, if Cleveland stays the way it is, I'll go Chicago at one. Then um, I would I would go with Cleveland at two. Um, but I just think with the, if it's with currently constructed, it's going to take them a time some time to kind of gel. So two or three, um, I would go. I would go with. Uh, I have Miami at four. And I, I differ on the Indiana thing because sometimes you have addition by subtraction. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Stevenson fan. I think he's the one that brought dog. I'm not, out of all these teams, the one team that is, even with Stevenson out, the one team that has some pieces that are somewhat stabilized is Indiana. And I, I would put them at, at three. Uh, just because I think they got a lot to prove because of the way that they went out. Now, I'm not thinking that they're going to do it, but sometimes getting some stuff out your locker room, even though they're great players, can, can force people to, to step up. It might force Paul George to take on a little bit more of a scoring punch and do some things. So I'm not, that, I'm not, I'm not going to put dirt on them right away. Um, and then I would, I would put Washington uh, – I've got myself with Washington at at, at four. Um, would kind of be my and Miami would be five. I think Miami is going to kind of figure its stuff out, and I'm not quick to say they're going to jump right in and do it. You don't know how often D Wade going to play, even with some of the pieces they have. I just I just don't. I like I like Dang, but you know he's seventeen and what? What we call him? Seventeen and what? Uh, seventeen and seven. He's going to give you that, but I don't know if that's enough to move them up night after night. I think it's going to take them a while to gel. Okay. Okay. And you heard D-Wade is on the paleo diet. I don't know if y'all know about that, man. I said he's on a new diet. He didn't switch up his diet. He's trying to drop some weight. He's on the paleo diet. Have you guys heard of this? No. <laughs> I have not. I said he. Be, I told you he need to lose weight. Now if he loses weight, he doesn't think that that changes my, my my numbers a little bit. But he's got to lose that weight. Well, I mean, I mean, even if he loses weight, his knees is gonna be his knees. <laughs> it's only so much wear and tear your knees can take. It's a done deal. They're not gonna get better. They may hurt less. They still gonna hurt. <laughs> but anyway, the paleo diet is basically where you eat like a caveman, like from the paleo paleo era. <laughs> That's why it's called the paleo. I mean, seriously, I'm, it sounds like I'm making this up. I'm not. I'm not at all. So basically, there's only certain things you can eat, and it all has to be like natural proteins. Uh, you can't eat any processed food. Um, but you got to basically eat like a caveman, like cave people, like primitive people would eat. It's crazy. <laughs> so that's you basically have to have what you got a lot of money. 
Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that is, man. That is. You know, it, it really is. <laughs> so I, 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 I have a lot of my my four has a lot of similarities with you guys four. Um, you know, with Wiggins today, with Wiggins and Bennett and Waiters and all these other guys, um, I have Cleveland at two. Um, I have the Chicago Bulls at one. Now, with both teams, I can see either of these teams flip-flopping. Um, I can see Cleveland being number one. Um, I can see the Bulls being number two. Um, I think this is a fluid situation right now. Um, with the Bulls, it depends on Derrick Rose's knees. Um, but adding Tyler Gasol gives them a different dimension as far as somebody you can dump the ball into. Um, and get some buckets. Um, McDermott has been excellent. I think he'll add another. He'll give them another shooter. Um, and then the guy uh, Miritich, um, the uh, foreign kids that they got coming over, is supposed to be uh, a guy who can contribute right away. So you know, this offseason they've added three guys who are going to contribute to a team that won 48 games last year. Without well, actually four guys, because now you're bringing Derrick Rose back into the fold. Of those four guys, you have two proven high-level performers in Gasol and Rose, um, and then you have two young guys um, who can come in and, and, and you know, pitch in where they can to a, a nice core of Tyus Gibson, Joe Kim Noah coming off the best season of his career, um, Jimmy Butler, Mike Dunleavy, Kirk Heinrich, some guys who are good glue guys. So they got a good mix in Chicago. Again, Derrick Rose's knees will determine – how high they go, but I think even if Rose isn't MVP level Rose, they're still a 54, 55 win team. Um, just because, as you said, D. Will Thibs is going to get that. You know, Thibs is going to make them be that. Um, and in Cleveland, you know, right now as they sit, is a team with a lot of versatility. Um, they can play a lot of different ways. They can play three guards. They can play small. They can go big. They can do a lot of things with the pieces that they have right now um, that I think, you know, if Blatt is, a good, is as good of a coach as he's advertised, some things that he could tinker with during the regular season, find some different matchups, a lot of San Antonio Spurs where they played a lot of different ways last season, um, building up to, to, their, to their playoff run. Um, Cleveland could do, a similar, could do something similar with Wiggins and, and Bennett, um, given the versatility of some of those guys when you – Think you got Tristan Thompson, a real athletic four. Um, Andy Verjao, who can bang and on the inside, but is still pretty athletic at this point in his career. Um, you know, you got LeBron who can play three or four or two. Um, you know, so they got some pieces. Waiters can you know play on the ball, play off the ball. So they got some pieces to do some things. Um, again, depending upon how quickly they gel, um, I think they have a ton of talent. They can do a lot. They got LeBron James. I mean. That's the, I mean, that, that tips the scale right there. Um, my three, I have the Toronto Raptors. You know, I don't want to forget about them. Um, that's a team that is bringing back a young core that finally kind of broke through last year. They're kind of where the Pacers were two or three years ago, you know, where they kind of got it together and started to win, and they were able to keep some of the key pieces there now they just need another a couple years to really continue to grow and take those steps um, towards becoming a legitimate player, 
a, a team that's really in the mix. Um, they made some questionable decisions on draft night. Um, they took a dude named Bruno. Um, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this dude was on anybody's draft board, so we'll see if they wasted the pick or not. Um, but anyway, they got some good pieces in DeRozan, Lowry, Valencia Eunice, um, decent squad. I think they'll continue to do what they do. They may be the new version of the Atlanta Hawks from the uh, mid-2000s where every year they're a three-seed, um, but really not a not a major threat. My number four team uh, is the Miami Heat. Um, I'm interested to see if Chris Bosh has got another gear because um, now he's the one dog. He's the lead. He's the alpha. You know, he went from third on the food chain to top dog. I just want to see how that's going to play out. <laughs> I just think that's interesting. Like, have we ever really seen a guy go from being a top dog to then totally changing his game to be a elite-level role player to then having to totally shift gears again and go back to being a superstar franchise guy. I just it's, That's just an interesting career arc. I don't know if I've ever – I mean, D. Wills, you kind of are, are uh, a long view guy. I don't know if, uh, if we've ever had a guy kind of have that kind of career arc where he starts out his career as an elite dude, takes a back seat, and then gets pushed back into the driver's seat again. Can you think of anybody like that? I, I can't even think. Of, I'm trying to think through uh, someone that was close. I can't. I can't really think. Yeah, it's, it's it's a yeah, it's a weird weird arc, man. It's a weird arc. But anyway, I'm, I'm interested to see the, the, what the Heat can do. So um, the Heat are my four. Uh, but the reason I, I think I wanted to kind of establish where we saw Cleveland standing is. As of right now, you know, LeBron leaving Miami basically blew the East open. Yeah. I mean, it blew it wide open. And so, you know, if they stand packed, I don't think they, you know, as you said, it, you know, as, as Rosie laid out, you know, how much you want to win? You know, which win is the bigger win? So that's, that's the conundrum that I think management is in when you really can't lose you know, and you're just determining between how big is the win going to be, um, especially in a situation where, you know, you have the guy, you got the you got the master chess piece. You know, you got you got the you got the king on the chessboard where you want him, and now it's just what are you going to do? Are you going to you know put your foot on everybody's throat, or are you going to make it a slow death? Are you going to slow walk the crowd? You know, and I think that's the choice between Love and Wiggins right now is that, you know, we could slow walk the crowd. Because I still think they probably got, you know, the Bulls are going to be formidable. I think the Pacers still have, you know, that that uh, that experience, you know, and they still have that moxie where, you know, they, 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 they're a threat. But, you know, the East, which was probably four teams deep last year, is now going to be six teams deep at least. Because right outside that top four, you got Indiana, you got Washington, and seventy, you got the uh, Charlotte Hornets now. You know, plus the AC last year, Atlanta Hawks get Al Horford back. So the East is going to be very different. You know, 
this is you know some teams that made the play. Brooklyn will probably be on the outs this year. I don't think they'll be back um, in the playoffs. Um, but the Atlanta Hawks, they were able to scrounge up an eight seed without Al Horford. Getting him back um, will be a big a, a big get. I mean, he's he's one of the best power forwards in the game. Um, so Atlanta will be improved again. So it'll be interesting to see. But Cleveland is one of the top two teams. I I think we all agree on that. I don't think any of us sees them outside of that top two. And I think right now with LeBron, they probably have an inside track. I think the Pacers, you know, are the team with the most experience outside of them, but I think they've taken a considerable step back without um, Stevenson. I do think it's addition by subtraction. I do think they'll still be a good team. Um, and I think – but I, I think they'll be a good team to have better chemistry, which I think will help them. But I think in the end – when it gets down to the nitty-gritty of on-court production, they're going to be lacking a little bit. Um, they just don't have enough enough guys to get it done. And they didn't really have anybody waiting in the wings to step up into, you know, they picked up Rodney Stuckey from Detroit, and I I, I don't know. I, yeah, he don't really, that doesn't that really move the needle for me. If they make the love trade, right? So right now they're a top two team, consistent, of the real sports guys. The love trade, does it put them, how does that, how does adding, taking out Wiggins and Bennett and adding Kevin Love match them up with Chicago? You know, because right now, the thing that the thing that the thing that concerns me with this, the way the Cleveland roster is configured right now, and um, I don't know if Kevin Love getting Kevin Love addresses this or not, but they don't have any guys with other than Barajal, LeBron. And Wiggins has potential to be a great defensive player. I don't know if he has the mentality. But that's it as far as defense goes. They're bringing in Ray Allen. They're, bring, they're trying to bring in Ray Allen. They brought in Mike Miller. And they couldn't double team a pile of dust in the corner. All right? <laughs> <laughs> At this point in their careers, I mean, that, that pile of dust is going to go by him. <laughs> You know, that probably doesn't going to beat that double team. So that's the one thing that I, I have concern with is their defensive chops. And when you watch what the Spurs did to a very um, cohesive Miami defense, uh, they made it look in total disarray. Um, when you talk about winning the ring, that's where my concern lies is, okay, so, yes, whether you keep Wiggins or Bennett, whether you add Kevin Love, do you got the defensive chops to be able to fly around and disrupt what San Antonio does? How does how, how does that? When I ask that question, what is your what are your thoughts on that particular question, D. Wills? Do you think defensively, as they're configured, even with even if they take out Love, uh, Wiggins and Bennett and add in Kevin Love, defensively, do you think they're equipped to be able to deal with? the San Antonio Spurs or the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Los Angeles Clippers or the Rockets or whoever comes out of the West. <laughs> I, I think love makes them, you know, um, rising up in the rank overall in the NBA. You know, I think without love, when you start doing rankings overall, you know, the East team, whatever the East is, depending on how Chicago, you know, they might you might be pushing – going down to about the fifth, sixth slot before you come to an East team. I think with someone like Love, they might push up into that third, 
second, fourth spot uh, in the league. And because I think what Love does is I think you're going to see Kyrie's scoring go up by one or two points just on easy baskets coming off his defensive rebounding and outlets and getting out in the floor and creating those quick scoring, which I think he can do really well. I think the other thing that he'll do because he creates spacing, which I think the one thing that's great about him is that he's shooting threes, but his rebounding is incredible. And I think one of the things against San Antonio where they struggled is San Antonio got a lot of second shots. Like they miss, get a rebound, and get another shot. And so I think one of the things that Cleveland will be good at, I think they'll be a good rebounding team. They can, they'll hold you to one shot, which is which is a good one. I also think good offense makes good defense. They can convert at a high level, where I think offensively Miami was challenged in terms of fluidity and ability to be able to score in multiple ways. I think the way this team might be coached and, and, and developed will have multiple ways in which they'll attack the basket, which I think when you watch San Antonio in earlier rounds, they struggle with those teams that w- was able to have more balanced scoring. When you put more pressure on them defensively, they were able to do it. Miami just couldn't do that. Miami was very limited, particularly with D. Wade's injury, to to be able to put that kind of pressure on them offensively. So I think sometimes good offense helps the defense against a team like the Spurs. Spurs are kind of like, you know, a, a good boxer that has a jab. As long as you let them control that jab, you ain't got a chance of winning. But if you can disrupt it, and you force them to go to something else, then they don't they don't fight as as well as you can. I think Cleveland has not. Will they be doing this first year? You know, I think the goal for them is get to the finals and compete. If they win, that's good. But if they can get to the finals and have that experience, I think that would be their goal this year. But I do think, and I think Kevin Love's defense will get better with playing with LeBron. There could be certain some, some demands on him defensively that, frankly, I don't think anybody in Minnesota was able to do that LeBron will do. I think Kevin can play better defense. I think LeBron will help him do that. Do you think his defense will be as good or better than Chris Bosh's defense? I, I think it can be as good because one of the things that he does that Bosh has to see, Bosh spaced the floor, but Bosh wasn't able to rebound from that position. Whereas Kevin can space the floor, but he still is a viable rebounder, which which is which makes him – I think even more impactful, whereas if, when Bosch was out in the corner, if he wasn't getting the ball, he was basically a non-factor offensively versus Kevin Love can play. He's, he's been playing that way on a team with not a lot of offense. He's still finding a way to get rebounds. So I think he can have that kind of impact on both ends of the floor that, that is kind of unique. I mean, he's playing kind of like Bosch is playing, but – he rebounds at a much higher rate. He rebounds at the rate that Bosch was rebounding in Toronto, playing closer to the basket. He's doing that playing away and close to the basket. So, I mean, that's a uniqueness that that's hard to find. Yeah. And so this is where this, this is – I'm looking at the numbers from the NBA Finals, and I got some numbers to throw out real quick. All right. 52.8% from the floor. That's what San Antonio shot. All right. Mm. 46.6% from three. <laughs> <laughs> Most teams would be happy shooting 46% from the floor, period. Right? Yeah. 25.4 assists per game. My thing is, 
I understand Love is a great player. Wiggins and Bennett are great are young pieces. Cleveland needs to really look a little bit bigger at this. Love is the hot name that's out right now. But does he impact what they're facing? You know what I'm saying? Is he going to allow in two years LeBron to not have to guard KD? I don't know. I don't know if Wig- I don't know if Wiggins will be able to do that. I don't know. But that's the other piece. Like, it's win now, but you also got to look at, okay, if we're going to win now, who do we have to beat and who's going to help us beat them? And my question is, as they're configured now, and if they bring in love, I don't know if they're equipped either way. I don't know if they're equipped to beat the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know if they're equipped to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder or whoever comes out of the West, even with Kevin Love. Because the one area where Kevin Love doesn't help them is where Miami needed help. Miami needed a rim protector. When you got somebody shooting 52% from the field, you need somebody at the, at the rim. <laughs> you might want to have somebody at the rim a little bit to turn some of those easy baskets. You know, when you got a team shooting 46% from the three, you know, yeah, Love can score points, but he ain't helping that. He ain't dealing with that. You know, Wiggins and Bennett, I don't know if they're ready to deal with that either. Yeah, but the other thing that Miami wasn't doing, they got nothing from the point position. Whereas the point guards, if you look at that series, the point guards basically played, like, with nothing. You're not doing that. You, well, they're they not doing that with Kyrie. I mean, the point guards the other piece, you know, whatever they want. If you, if, you watch, if you watch the stretches that they pulled away, it was their point guards who, who created the opportunities. And, and, and that, if that's the biggest upgrade you have right there. Plus, you you discounting waiters. I don't think waiters are any part of it. You discounting Tristan. I mean, they have other pieces. They're more athletic in places that Miami wasn't athletic in. Miami yes, they're more athletic, but athletic don't make you a good defender. Yeah, but other and people, waiters, other people, waiters ain't known for guarding nobody. What, what was, what was Miami known for guarding nobody? But what was Miami doing on offense? The other part I don't know what they. I don't know what Miami was doing on offense. They wasn't scoring. They wasn't doing anything. So part of the pressure was. Not only were you not defending, but you weren't making them work on defense to do. It. You weren't forcing them to take guys off the floor. And so you not not only are you not doing anything on the offensive end, now you're not stopping on defense. So if you look at San Antonio earlier series, earlier series, people were putting pressure on them defensively. That disrupted what they could do offensively. I think people look to that's part of the equation, and Miami did none of that. Which I think Cleveland, as it's constructed, if we would love, they put too much pressure on 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 San Antonio defensively. Yeah, and I would I would argue that okay, Oklahoma City would probably be two of the toughest dudes to guard in the league. Lost four two. You know they had the one game where Ibaka came back and gave them a boost, but pretty much it was yeah, but, it was San Antonio, Dallas. I mean, and they, they took it to that the Blazers, who got. They took it to the Blazers, who young and athletic, 4-1. Took them out real, you know, real quick. You know, thanks for showing up. Here's your one game, deuces. The Mavericks, though, gave them a challenge. And I think the thing that the Mavericks had, huh? Cleveland's closer to the Mavericks. I don't know if they are, though, because the Mavericks had some different, uh, different kind of pieces. They had somebody who could protect the rim. They had a, an elite perimeter defender, 
And then they had a point guard who could shoot. But then they also had another perimeter creator. So they had two. They had Calderon, Monte Ellis, who that's a tough match. I think that's a tough matchup for San Antonio because Ellis is too quick for Leonard or Green. He's just way too quick. And, you know, they're not necessarily – San Antonio's not necessarily going to isolate either one of those guys. So, I, I, you know, it'll be it, it, – again, I, the question that, you know, looking big picture, the question I'm asking and what I'm questioning is, is love – love is the move to make right now, but is he the right move? You know, is this going to be one of those moves we look back on come next, this time next year and we're like, ah, I don't know if love is going to get it done. You see what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's the move to make now, but kind of stepping back and taking a long view, are we going to be back here next year saying, bag, I don't know if love got the chops for what they need. Him. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he, what they need. I don't know if he's going to give them what they need defensively. Offensively, I think he helped. Offensively, I think they're a team that is tough to deal with. But so is Oklahoma City. So is so are the Clippers. I mean, they're teams with offensive firepower in the league. There's no doubt about that. But the teams that, and we all know this, the teams that get done are the teams that can get stopped in the fourth quarter. And one, Love has never had to do that. Um I don't really know if that's how it is. And the other thing is he doesn't have the athletic ability that Bosch has. Bosch is a way better athlete than Love is. And Bosch was able – we had those same questions about Bosch defensively, but Bosch also had more tools to work with from a physical – physically. Love is a very smart player, but he's not the most physically gifted guy. You know, he's not long. He's not laterally quick. Um, he's not straight line quick. He's not a leaper. Um, there are some real limitations with his movement defensively, that make it exposed. So that's all I'm saying is it's the right move now. Will it be the right move next June? That's the real question. PhD, what are your thoughts? Uh, what's the question again? <laughs> well, I mean, just, just what are your thoughts on is love, can when you start to think big picture long term and when you go beyond the East, is love the guy that would put a Cleveland over the top against a San Antonio, against an OKC, against the Clippers, against the Rockets team. Does he? How does his? How does his presence impact their ability to compete with those teams outside of the East? Because I think right now we all agree that they're a top two team in the East with or without him. I think I think Kevin Love is the best available right now. If given a full free agent class, I'm not sure if Kevin Love will be the number one guy in the entire NBA that's going to be eligible next year to that you'd want to pair with LeBron. However, I think he'd be a good fit because he's able to space the floor. You know, a lot of people will be critical of his uh, defensive ability. I I think he's adequate on pick and roll defense, which at this point. I mean, that's what all big guys have to do in the NBA now. I'm not too concerned about how well they defend on the post. Um, and I think defensively, he – so I consider defensive rebounding defense. I, I think mm-hmm. that ends mm-hmm. the question. And yeah. considering this guy gets you 12 to 15 rebounds average, okay, um, I think that that in itself makes him an elite defender. So – 
a big concern I have with Kevin Love is injuries. This past year, yeah. he played 77 yeah. games, which is solid. Uh, he played 77 games, which is great. But if you look at the pre, the two years previous to that, 2012-2013 year, I think you had him in fantasy basketball, Marcus. He only played yeah. 18 games. Yes, and, and my team is last. And then three years ago, he only played 55 games. So if you look at two of the past three years, not including this his most recent year, he played 18 games of 55 games. To me, that's a big durability issue. I believe that when when Dwayne Wade was unable to play, you know, two third or a third of this past season, that's one thing. But when your big guy's not able to play, and your leading rebounder, perhaps leading rebounder in the league, is not able to play. You know, significant portions of the season, that that's going to be more difficult to overcome. Yeah. So durability is a concern. Durability has been a concern with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, he is. That's been a concern. So, so given given the parameters that that the Cavs have with potentially getting Kevin Love, I think there's still concern there as well. Um, but I think Kevin Love brings him up to the table. Everything you all just mentioned, I think the best thing is his rebounding and ability uh, to space the floor. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a respectable one that guys can't hang off of him. Um, I'm looking at his statistics now. He shot 38% from three. um, And then his uh, previous full year, which was 2012, he shot 37%. So he's a solid three-point shooter. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, great points. You know what I mean. I and I dig, I, I dig where you're going and, and what you're saying. Think, you know, I, with the durability, because with both he and Kyrie, I think you raised a, a point that we hadn't really touched on, with the durability factor. Um, yeah. And just the un, overall unproven. There's a lot of unproven. I mean, can can Kyrie get it done when it counts? You know what I mean. We all know right. he's a beast. Um, but everybody's a beast when all you gotta do is go get their numbers. You know, a lot of guys can – Ricky Davis was a monster when he could just go get numbers. You know, Andre Blatch, when he was with the Wizards, was a monster when he could just go get numbers. But when those numbers have to impact winning, some guys aren't built for that, mm-hmm. you know. So, it'll yeah. be, I think – go ahead. I'm not. I'm not as much concerned about – to step down athletically from from Bosch to Kevin Love because what's different with with Bosch, I'm sorry, with Kevin Love is he's going to be starting off a lot of those fast breaks with, with getting the rebounds. So I'm not concerned about him running the floor and doing those sorts of things. So um, having Bosch, that was a benefit of him, but overall I think I think given other big guys in the league, um, I think Kevin Love does just about everything that Bosch does well, um, also well, uh, with, the, uh, with the exception of Bosch was able to switch off a lot of times in pick and roll, and he'd be okay, you know, guarding mm-hmm. other wing players. So right. I, I think that's going to be the big separating point. Yeah, I think ultimately defensively what this team looks like against elite teams 
is what's going to determine whether or not it's a good move. I think offensively they're going to be fine. I think offensively they're going to give people fits and nightmares. We talk about Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Kevin Love, you know, whoever else they keep. Um, but with just those three alone, if I'm if I'm coaching against them and I'm the, and I'm the guy responsible for coming up with the defensive game plan, I'm not going to sleep the night before. You know what I mean? I'm not sleeping on the plane ride from the last city. I'm not sleeping. Um, but against the elite teams, defensively, that'll be the adventure this coming year. Um, and whereas when the the Heatles, the Super Friends, whatever nickname we want to give that era of the Miami Heat, LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh, when they came together, it was more how would they mesh offensively, given both Wade and Bron had always had the ball in their hands since they were seven years old, you know, and how would they figure out how to play together. Um, when it, it involved one of them kind of not having the ball. Um, and they eventually figured it out, but that first season there were some definite bumps in the road along the way. Um, so I think that's where you'll see, if they do make this deal, that's where you'll see the most work need, needing to be done with this Cleveland team if they pick up love is figuring out defensively what they're going to look like. Because the other thing is Kyrie ain't a plus, Kyrie is not a great defender either. So that's the other thing where, you know, you're adding now, you got on the court basically only two guys who really defend in, in Verizal and LeBron at different times, and everybody else is a question mark defensively. Um, so that will be the kind of thing with this particular team. I want to transition, though. Um, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Fellas, I want us to get into the uh, Dog of the Week real quick while we have a moment. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right. You know how it goes. Do wills. We need more dogs. In a time in boxing where folks is uh, they're scared to take on all challengers, I got to get my dog. Um, and I hadn't get a chance to give it to him is uh, Canelo Alvarez. Lara called him out, went to his press conference, stepped to him at the mic. You know, kind of like uh, when Karen Swan did it to PM Don, just took over stage, and then uh, he was like, "I might have it. I might be redhead, but I'm not gonna go for all this." Uh, kind of stuff, and uh, I'm about to do some business with him, and, and got Lara in there, and, and and did his work on him. And, and at a time when folks, you know, are worried about you know positioning the right person, Canelo just brought his game. Okay, okay. Shout out to Canelo. Hey, um, speaking of which, I, I I'll go into it more when I do mine. I'm just gonna save it for when I do mine. Uh, PhD. We need more dogs. Derek Jeter, respect. 
Enough said. I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. All right. I guess I'll do mine. You got any more? Are you good? I'm good. All right. We need more dogs. Mine is going out to uh, Aubrey Drake Graham. Um, You know, PhD shot me a text. Um, I I didn't watch the SBs. You know, I just, I just usually don't watch it because, um, I mean, it's the ESPYs. I mean, I know it's – I saw all the stuff y'all talking about. <laughs> I saw it all. It already happened. Um, nonetheless, uh, Drake hosted it, rap, the rapper Drake. He hosted the ESPYs, um, and he did a great job. And the reason I kind of chuckled when you brought up Canolo is he and Blake Griffin did this skit, man, and it is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't YouTube it, look it up. Drake did a really good job. He got off to a rocky start, um, but he picked up steam and he kept it rolling. He had another skit he did on Manny Pacquiao. It just, I'm, I, I can't wait to get in the lab and cut some of these uh, some sound bites up because it's some great stuff, that, uh, some great material that we're gonna have to add to the board. Um, he also did a couple of great songs. Brought Brian McKnight out to sing a song called Side Pieces. <laughs> it, it, and it, it was just hilarious and awkward and uncomfortable given the audience. Right, you talking? You you singing a song called "Side Pieces" in front of you know a couple thousand athletes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great moment, man. It was a great, it was hilarious, you know. So if you get a chance to. Just Google Drake and the SBs. You get a good laugh. You get a good 10, 10 minutes of entertainment out of his skits and some of his uh, monologues during the show. Uh, so hats off to Drake. I thought he did a great job. Um, I was entertained. I DVR'd it after I, you know, I heard some, you know, I heard that he had done a good job. So then I DVR'd it one night. It came on like 2 in the morning. I wasn't watching it. So I DVR'd it. I just fast forwarded through the awards. I mean, I really didn't care about that. Just kind of saw what he did, and I was I was I was entertained. Uh, that's my dog of the week. So for this week's edition of Dog of the Week, we got Canelo Alvarez, we got Derek Jeter, respect, all right, and then we got Drake. So we're gonna keep the show rolling. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're gonna talk, finish out the show talking some NFL fantasy football. Um, real quick, fellas. Fantasy football prejudices. This is an idea that I had as I was thinking about, you know, I started doing draft prep for fantasy football. You know, I get, I'm, I, you know, that's one of my just life maxims is that you always be prepared, you know. I don't know if y'all remember the rapper Sugar Free. Y'all remember Sugar Free? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't. No? no? Okay. So he was like, uh, he was out of Oakland. He was like a pimp rapper, you know, back in the mid-90s. You know, a lot of, a lot of pimp, pimpish cats, DJ Quick, um, you know, cats like that kind of coming out on the West Coast, pimp rappers. Anyway, he had a song, If You Stay Ready, You Ain't Got to Get Ready. So that always kind of stuck with me. I heard that as a 15, 16-year-old, and I was like, that makes sense. So that's kind of one of my life maxims. And so I'm getting ready for the draft. I'm doing my draft prep right now. And there's just certain things, certain players, certain teams, coaches, guys that I just, I'm like, 
can't get down with you, can't roll with you, can't ride with you, can't do it. You know what I mean? I just, you know what I'm saying? I just can't roll with certain people. You know, and we all have them. We've kind of discussed them in passing, you know, but never really kind of gone into them, you know, never really kind of broken them down. So, you know, I wanted five, but if you don't have five, I understand because you just may not really have five prejudices. But give me some of your prejudices that you have uh, when it comes to fantasy football. Um, I'll give an example. Deshaun Jackson. A couple years ago, I had him on – I actually had Donovan McNabb on one of my fantasy football teams, and he was quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I just came down to a Monday night game. I needed Donovan to get a certain amount of points. I don't remember what the point total was. But it was close enough where it was definitely doable, and he was on pace to get it. He throws a 60-yard bomb to Deshaun Jackson. Jackson catches it, runs past the defender, and just before he gets into the end zone on some showboat stuff, he just flips the ball to the ref. And so it's not a touchdown. And he lost me a game. Uh, and I was so upset because it was a game that I did not want to lose to that particular person. That was the other piece about it. It was who I lost to. And so from that moment on, I made a pact never to draft Deshaun Jackson. And I stuck with that. I will never, ever draft him. From that moment, he just he turned me off to everything he's about at that particular moment. I was like, you moron. And since then, I've seen actually quite a few people do that college kids, pros, where they will toss the ball to the ref zealously before they actually cross the goal line. And I'm like, every time it happens, it reminds me of how much I dislike Deshaun Jackson because I feel like he started this. <laughs> he didn't, but I feel that way. So that's that's one of my prejudices. So I, I would never draft Deshaun Jackson. I don't care under what, no circumstances will he be on one of my teams. So that's an example. Uh PAD, do you have any kind of fantasy football prejudices to share with us? It's time to share. Well, I've talked about D'Angelo Williams quite a bit. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, you have. It's well documented. His, his talent has never quite caught up with his potential. Another, So another rule of thumb I have is I don't like guys who, who hold out. You know, they yeah. hold out yes. in this part of camp. I, I've been burned with that so many times. Most recently, um, who's the guy in uh, in Houston? Uh, Foster. And, you know, now they're, yeah, now they're saying Jamal Charles is a guy. Yeah, a couple years ago, CJ2K. Yep. Yep, I just... I can't mess around with guys who hold out, man. Um, Eli Manning is a guy that I can't mess with. Eli <laughs> Eli can get you 500 yards or five interceptions any week. <laughs> it's a possibility. And that might be a week that his team wins. You know, Eli is a guy that he just gets it down the field normally, and his statistics oftentimes don't represent the type of player that he is. Um, what other guys do I have that, hmm, who have I have bad luck with? You know, Brandon Lloyd is a guy that I've had bad luck with. 
the three or four years before he had that big year in Denver, I think it was, where did he have his big year at before he went to the Patriots? Was it Denver? Was it Chicago? Wherever he was at before then. Um, he was he was in San Francisco for a few years, and he was a guy that would jump out and get three or four touchdowns in the first two weeks. He'd be that hot, hot, hot free waiver pickup. Um you know, or you make a move and get him, and then he wouldn't do anything for the rest of the year. And that's the guy that kind of burned me over the years. I can keep going, but I'll stop. Well, I'll jump who's in. A guy that, yeah, who's a guy that uh, – or who are some uh, prejudices you have in regards to fantasy football, D? My – this is my one. Don't draft any running back that is coached by Shanahan. Uh, and the reason yeah. why I say that is they do by committee. You get you you might have a guy now if you're good with stocks you might pick the right guy and it might like ding 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 you could get 25 points in one week. But those cats run running backs into the ground. You never know who's gonna start. They have three or four people. It's like unless you get. I just say stay away from Shanahan. The other thing is never take – don't draft a receiver for New Orleans who isn't Graham. Yeah, I call him a receiver. Drew Brees will throw <laughs> a lot of touchdowns, but he's going to throw it to about 12 different people. Oh, the only person he'll consistently hit is Graham. Yeah. And so if you can't get Graham, don't draft anybody else. Maybe when Daryl Sproles was in his heyday – uh, you know, maybe getting him out of the backfield. The same thing with Tom Brady, unless you're in a PPR league. And this is where I think, uh, you know, uh, Phil, you you're right on on on, um, on on the on the ground with is that you usually you you will catch you know a West Welker type or whatever with with Brady. You know, if it's a PPR, then I'll get a Brady receiver. But again, same rule uh, with that. <laughs> I stand right. on D'Angelo Williams. Don't draft any Carolina running back. Going all the way back. The thing about it is Carolina seems to have a trend of of defensive football coaches. And they always have running backs that tease you. Think about it. You know, think about how many years you went in. You just talked about D'Angelo. But think about the number of running backs they had and how many times you, you went in to the season thinking, wow, one of these guys are going to hit. And right. it's like, Every once in a while, every year you'll get one, but it seems like Carolina's like fool's gold sometimes, and you might hit, but I just choose to stay stay away from them altogether. And so I got a, I got a few things. I do I, I I agree with you. If a person holds out, I've been burned too many times. When you said that, I'm like, man, you right on point. <laughs> you right on point, man. You right on point. When you talk about hold out, I mean, I didn't even think about that, but you right on point. If a running back hold out, stay away from him like a plague. Just be like, let somebody else get him. You know he got a hammy coming. He got something coming. I mean, when you said that, I started laughing. I was like, hey, that is a that's a that's a that's a that's a key one uh, all together. And then I used to say, you know, um, particularly the Bears before they had that most recent run. Boy, I used to, you know, stay away from any offensive play with the Bears, but that's changed over time. They used to frustrate you to, to no end uh, again. But 
now that they've, they've changed and I've had Cutler there, I've, I've changed my ways with, with bears. The other thing I do is I stay away. I've gotten away from don't – if you have a favorite team, avoid taking your quarterback. You, it's one of those things where you can't be objective. I'm a Steeler fan, and I hold, I've held on to Roethlisberger more than I needed to. I've started him more than I needed to, and I would say if you have a favorite team, unless your favorite team is is a quarterback by Brady or uh, <laughs> Anning or something like that, but if you have a favorite team to your extent, don't draft your quarterback because you will be looking through some glasses that will fool you every time. So those are some of my, my, my things that I've, I've tried to stay away from. Yeah, I've also tried to stay away from from teams that are um, historically bad, teams that for the past two or three years just have been really, really bad football teams. So right now that would be the Cleveland Browns. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be concerned about with the Bills. And and the Browns got me last year because I picked up Brandon Whedon. Whedon was like Whedon was the guy I picked up, you know, got a waiver on towards the end of this draft in two of my leagues. And mm. and clearly he didn't he didn't play very well. Mm. I I also have a a positive bias that bites me on has been. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few years a few years ago I had I believe it was two years ago I had Jamal Charles, mm-hmm. Chris Johnson, Andre yep. Johnson. Yeah. Um I had those guys on my team and and only one of them really worked out, which was Jamal Charles. But but sometimes I get caught up in, in what guys have done. You know, last mm-hmm. year with with uh, Calvin Johnson, I picked him up early on all three of my leagues. And, you know, I mean, he, he put up good numbers, but part of me was hoping that he'd have that astronomical year like he had in a 2012 season. He just didn't have that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're, hoping, you're hoping for that D-Wade moment. <laughs> you like, this right. will be the game. You know, we all like this is gonna be a game. Way gonna break out. He about to go on a two game. No, he just he just old. You open for that moment. Right. I, I had that all the time, and I ride it too long. Like, I was like, maybe this week. And you afraid to drop him? Like you afraid to drop when you know you should drop him or you should put him on the bench, and you're afraid. You get caught in that what I call that. You get caught in that twilight zone with an old cat because you just know this is the week they're gonna put it together. Yeah, I, I get caught in that all the time. I got to stop. Don't fall in love. You know, you got to get your Belichick thinking on. You know, don't fall in love with these folks. You know, and I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, I, I've tried to, uh, to to work on. I, you know, when you think about fantasy, how for you, how has the game changed? Like, you have these rules, but how has fantasy changed from when you started playing? in terms of your strategies? Well, I think the biggest way it's changed is, is that everybody everybody has similar resources. It used to be when you started 
when I started playing fantasy, I think my first fantasy football season was oh, 2004 maybe, so 10 years ago. There were literally like you would buy that Street and Smith or or whoever had that preseason right. book, magazine. And mm-hmm. now there's so many websites, there's so many podcasts you can listen to. Now, of course, is the fantasy, the fantasy uh, cipher with the guru from KZoo and Eric right. Hamilton. Um, I mean, that's the one you should listen to. But there's just so many resources out there. So it used to be you get that that sleeper, and if you were crafty, it's a good chance you get that sleeper. Now, it, <laughs> if I if I wait past Thursday, those sleepers are gone. They they haven't yeah. eaten up. So another big change is is just how leagues have evolved. So the impact of independent defensive players. One of the things that Eric does really well in our league is he puts a cap on the number of moves you can make per week. So, you know, maybe you can only make four moves per week in terms of picking up guys, and they don't reset until Tuesday morning. To me, that makes it more strategic. So guys just can't load up on people or or play defense in fantasy football. Well, let me pick up this guy and drop him so my opponent won't get burned on him. I'll burn me with him. So there's just so many different aspects of, of fantasy football now that, you have to look at things in a different way. It used to be you get a workhouse running back and you're fine, but now a workhouse running back, a workhorse running back, I mean, those are things of the past, man. There's probably less than five of those in the league right now where you can consistently depend on them to get your numbers each week. It it has become a wide receiver league. Um, fantasy football has become about wide receivers and quarterbacks. And I would say even more wide receivers because it used to be just if you had the elite quarterbacks, they could give you big numbers. Well, the elite quarterbacks are more consistent, but on any given week, you know, a middle-of-the-road quarterback can give you great numbers. Mm-hmm. So for me, you really have to focus on the receivers and also understanding your point structure. And this is the time of the year to understand your point structure because, you know, good commissioners, they will find ways, like they'll look at the previous year and figure out, okay, what was one of the downsides of the league? Was it too easy to score points? You know, were sacks worth six points and touchdowns are worth six points? Okay, now now let me readjust sacks down to four points or three points. But a lot of guys don't get into that and they'll draft based on what happened last year. If you, I mean, I think fantasy football is about training now. I try to do at least five to ten mock drafts. And it may not be a full mock draft, but I might do the first four or five rounds on Yahoo just to get in the field and kind of see who will be available. The other side of that is understanding um, what your league rules are because you can't draft how you did the previous year if your rules have changed. So those are some things that I think about. 
Well, it's interesting because I'm I'm um, I'm assuming my first role as a commissioner, and I just was thinking through some of the things that you were saying. Um, you know, for a league that we've had for a long time, and we're about to try to breathe some life into it, um, into our our our, uh, our our boy college league. You know, a lot of folks who are associated with the place where you and I got our roots. Um, and so uh, I'm trying to understand my role. You know, when you play, you just kind of show up and do your thing. But when you're trying to set the structure for the league and trying to see how you can get people engaged, um, you know, it, it takes on a whole entirely different light. So I'm just things you're thinking about, you know, how do you start to adjust it to trying opportunities for for folks to to have multiple ways they can build a team, you know, so they don't have to, you know, if you don't get the top, you know, you say, you know, one of those five running backs, you still have a way to build a, a roster that can compete. And so if you can come up with a scoring that allows for people to have diverse ways in which they can they can challenge every week um, as long as they're creative enough. You know, you're never out of it if you don't get one of those top five running backs. You know what I'm saying? So I like the way you're you're thinking you're thinking through that. It's got me thinking about my role as a, as a, as the commissioner. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And 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 how those those don'ts we just talked about have evolved and changed. Right. You know, like I said, I said the don't about Brady, but if you get the right person and you in the PPR league, you know, that don't turns into a yes, right? Because he might throw a touchdown, but he might, you know, you know, he'll have a couple receivers that aren't get like eight, nine receptions, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, it, it changes, you know, you start looking at a scoring that, 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 that my usual don't might turn into something different um, when I'm looking at like that. So you're right, the diversity of the league is, is is incredible. If you were – one of the things you and I talked about a little bit offline uh, as we finished this conversation uh, before, you have a couple of things, and you might touch on this, you know, uh, in, the, in, in the podcast as uh, when, uh, when we get Eric together, but you have a couple of things in terms of creating a culture for a league. You know, leagues go up and down, but there's some things you've been fortunate enough to be a part of. Some challenging leagues, you've been fortunate enough to be a part of some good, a good league. You know, what are some of the things that you think are, you know, for those people who are putting together, getting their drafts together, getting their leagues organized, you know, what are some of the key components that you would advise anyone who's serving that commission role? Yeah, well, well, our our commissioner, Eric, uh, the guy who does the fantasy football cipher, he does a really good job, and I mean that's that's my main league. One of the things, <laughs> one of the creative things he does is there's a JV division. <laughs> so everybody who does not make the playoffs the year before, or like the previous year, so everybody who missed the playoffs last year, they get stuck in a division, and everybody who makes the playoffs are in another division. So there's two divisions. And one of the benefits of that is um, if you win your division, you automatically make the playoffs. So sometimes you end up getting a team that goes 5-8 and eight and they'll make the playoffs because they're in a the JV division. But Eric's been doing this for the better part of 10 years. And most of those guys, I would say at least 9 or 10 of the 12 of us have been in the league at least 6 or 7 years. So, you know, 
you don't want to come in that JV division because it's it's going to be verbal abuse. It's going to be verbal abuse, and you just don't want to do it. <laughs> that's, so that's one incentive. Um, another incentive is, you know, you split up the pot money and you pay out winners for whoever scores the most points in a given week. That's another way to keep managers engaged. So if you have a team that's 2-5 and five or 2-7 and seven and there's still another four weeks left in the season and they're pretty much eliminated from the playoffs, uh, you know, managers will still be motivated to set their lineup, look at trades, improve their team, you know, work, to, work the uh, the waiver wire in hopes that they can pull out, you know, the most points in a week. So um, there's just little things like that that he does. And there's more. I don't want to give all the different tips that he does. Because I always tell him, man, you need to write a book. You Like, you should okay. write a little, you know, 30, 40-page book, a little pamphlet uh, for fancy football managers or, or commissioners, just ways to make your league more engaging and, I was I was telling you offline that uh, Eric had sent out an email, um, you know, hey, you know, the email you get every year, hey, we're redoing the league, you need to sign up on Yahoo. Within 24 hours, 11 of the 12 managers had signed up. And you, you and I have both been part of leagues where the commissioners – um, are chasing people to an hour before the draft, like, hey, we need, you know, like, we need another team or we're not going to be able to draft because we've got an odd number of teams. And that's that's just, I mean, that setup is all bad. That, I mean, you're laying the foundation for a really horrible, fancy football situation. So, I, you know, I say if you can only get eight people to play in your league but they're committed eight, I think that's better than getting 12 or 14 just to say that you got a 12 or 14 person league, you know, given that maybe four or five of those managers um, won't be very good managers. And I'm, and I'm taking your advice as I, I take on, you know, what has been what I call a version of the ACC fantasy. Uh, you, you just play for a trophy. We got a first place and a last place trophy. It's like an old ACC. And, uh, you know, when only one team could go to the tournament. You know, uh, Maryland was good. Duke was good. Carolina was good. Georgia Tech was good. But only one of them could go to the tournament. It used to frustrate me when I watched it. But I understand, now I understand it. And so I, 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 I take this advice, Phil. I love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, RG Media, you know, we, we might be getting into the publishing business. So keep that, keep that book on the back side. Of it, you know, we might have to find a way to release that uh, uh, as, as, as as a way of getting that thing out out and, and, and running. Because I think you're right. You know, I, I think you know, just in talking to you over the past couple of days, um, it's really been you know when we've had these discussions, even you know, just getting that sense of what is to happen. Um, it's kind of got my juices going for the first time in a long time because I I've been dragging over some leagues for the past three or four years, and I'm. I've got to make a decision. I'm trying to get down to about two leagues that I can feel like I can really be a part of. I might get down to one, you know, just so I can start to get that old feeling I used to have back in the day when I was playing. You know, I got to the point where I got league overkill. I'm in six leagues. I can't keep up my lineup. I said, no, I can't do it. I'm about to get back. I'm about to get back and and, and, uh, get back in the one or two that I can really go deep in. 
and you know, if I don't succeed like I need to, that's cool. I'll come back next year and 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 and, and really get into it uh, rather than trying to be in six leagues and being frustrated by five. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Game changer is in the building. We really pushed this whole fantasy thing, man. We pushed it deep. Um, I know we want to talk a little bit quickly um, about some NFL highlights before I get into the last word. Game changer, let me just hit you real quick. I mean, you looked at the free agency stuff. Yeah. Give me a sense of who you think are the winners and losers and, and who are those folks that you think will uh, really benefit from what we've seen in the off season? Well, I think for me it's a combination of what you did in free agency and what you did in the draft. Um, when you start talking about winners and losers in the NFL, the place I go, the team that, that to me kind of really put themselves in a position, um, you know, the obvious one is a team like Denver. Um you know, they made some really good moves, uh, brought, bringing in uh, DeMarcus Ware, T.J. Ward, um, Emmanuel Sanders, filling some holes, um, letting some guys go. You know, Sean Moreno, Eric Decker on that offense. But they had some guys, they got guys to step right in. Um, a team that did some sneaky good work, in my opinion, um, a team that was already in the mix, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, um, you know, they brought in Stevie Johnson, who's a strong wide receiver, um, to add to Crabtree and Quan Bolden and what they already have um, at those particular positions. Uh, they drafted Carlos Hyde. Um, they still have Marcus Latimer kind of on deck. Um, Frank Gore kind of getting to that point where he's kind of winding down a little bit. Um, they kept their offensive line strong. So I like I like a lot what, what – uh, San Francisco did, I, I, I thought they did well in the draft. They got guys who were going to come in and help them out early. Um, but then also bringing in some guys with some big playability, also getting a guy like Bruce Ellington um, out of Clemson. Um, so I really liked what they did as far as putting themselves in position to be able to compete with the team that they're going against, the team that they're facing. Um, they needed more receiving weapons. Um, you know, Crabtree, being your only guy, you know, and being able to throw a guy like uh, Richard Sherman on him, bringing in a Stevie Johnson who you can put in the slot, um, got great speed, good route runner, um, gives Kaepernick another weapon. Um, they also brought in Blaine Gabbert behind Kaepernick. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out, but, you know, it's somebody who if Kaepernick does go down, which he has a tendency to get nicked up um, just because of the style he plays, um, you know, he, he he hasn't missed a lot of games, but when you're taking hits, it's only a matter of time. You know, everybody's one play away. So All right. those are some guys. Okay. What's up? Thank you. We're going to we're gonna get into some more NFL stuff. But uh, leading into next week, we're going to have uh, Beloit College football coach Seth, Seth Durham uh, uh, on board. Uh, you know, we like to give love to Division III. Uh We all have allegiance and connection to Beloit College and, we like to find a way to, to kind of do that with Division Three, Division Two. so we look forward to that interview. And then we got Hank tomorrow, 830 Central, inside the park with Hank. It's off the hook. Got to check it out. Uh, until next week, loving it. Peace.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.